everybody, and Happy New Year. This is Jake McGrail of CITR Sports Broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9, always keeping you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news and stories. It's been a few weeks since we were last on air, but we are back for 2021 and starting off with a bang as the other day I was able to sit down with UBC's Managing Director of Athletics and Recreation, Cavi Tour. We talked about his beginnings at UBC as a student, his long career at the school to this point, and how he has managed the athletics department through the pandemic after taking over in the spring. Also, we have a number of stories from over winter break to round up, and we take a look at one of the most decorated Thunderbirds gymnasts for our alum of the week. But first, here is my interview with Cavi Tour. This is Jake McGrail of CITR Sports, and joining me today is the UBC Managing Director of Athletics and Recreation, Cavi Tour. Thank you for coming on the show. Hey, Jake. Thanks for having me. You have held your current position for a little under a year since March 2020, but you have been at UBC a lot longer than that. You were a student here over 20 years ago and a third generation student at that. Was going to UBC always a part of the plan for you? Yeah, absolutely. I had heard stories from my grandfather and my dad about their experience at UBC, so it was no question for me uh, where I would hope to go. It was just a matter of ensuring I got in, (laughs) which I did. So uh, that was always uh, part of the plan to uh, to attend UBC. And what was your experience as a student like here? You went on to get multiple degrees at UBC. Uh, Was there ever a question of maybe going to other schools for different levels of degrees or were you always thinking you're gonna stay there? Yeah, I mean, I would say I had a pretty uneven first year. Uh, definitely feeling connected to, more connected to my hometown. I found the classes to be really big at that point. I predated orientation programs, found like, I remember one morning in the dorms, there was puke in the sink and uh, big classes and just wasn't finding uh, my footing. And so I went home every weekend for the first thing, six weekends. And I think on the seventh weekend, our, my residence advisor said, hey, Cappy, I've heard you played a bit of football. We need you to play on our team this weekend. Uh, so I stuck around. We played. We won the game. We went to a UBC Thunderbirds game that night. Uh, had a great time. Started to make some new friends. And that was really the, the pivotal switch for me to be in, uh, to starting to enjoy my UBC experience. So that's why in my role as an administrator, utilizing sport as a tool to connect and bring people together is so crucial and vital and why I care about it so deeply. So really sports was that gateway for you to feel more connected, more integrated with the, uh, the university. Yeah, I always use sort of sport as a means to an end. So in the university environment, it's, uh, the means is uh, to bring people together, to start great connections start building university pride, also to start improving health and well-being. So these are all things that kind of sport can provide, uh, you know, likely in a stronger way than any other uh, potential activities. And at what point did you become with UBC Athletics, like the organizational part of it? Yeah, after I uh, graduated with a B.Ed., I had uh, plans to be a teacher, potentially a principal and coach basketball. Uh, was a sport I planned on coaching. So got to the point of being on substitute teacher list and was hired and was ready to start that uh, part of my career. And then uh, 
uh, my wife got offered a position at uh, at UBC Recreation to run some special events, and uh, she was just my girlfriend at the time. And as she said, she's like, "No, I I, uh, I don't want to take it, but I think you should uh, talk to this guy." Uh, <laughs> so it was me. I had like a lot of interest in it, and I was like, "I was like, oh, okay, I'll delay the teaching for a year or two. This seems like a great." opportunity to run events like Storm in the Wall and Day of the Longbow, create some new programming. And within a year, I realized that, yes, this is sort of more what I'm passionate about and interested in and less so teaching, even though there's lots of, lots of components of teaching that I was really excited about. Yes. So this wasn't necessarily like a long-standing goal for you. Like I want to work in athletics specifically. It was something that sort of you found uh, the love for. Yeah, that's a great way of describing it, Jake. I think uh, the experience that I had uh, within it had really uh, helped me discover the passion and interest. In it. And the more I did it, the more I realized being like, yes, I, this is the sort of field I want to go into. This is what I'm passionate about. Uh, and that's what sparked sort of doing the master's for me and then starting to pursue uh, a career in sport versus, you know, a couple of year job. And you did get hired by the Department of Athletics and Recreation soon after graduating, like you mentioned, and you've spent the following two decades employed here at UBC. What's it been like being at the school for that amount of time? Yeah, it's, it's been an awesome ride. Uh, I feel quite fortunate to have so many different experiences from including a short teaching stint uh, in the School of Kinesiology, as well as holding a number of different roles, whether it was on the intramural side of it, whether it was from the business partnership side of it, uh, whether it was sort of the capital and facility side of it, whether it's to being the lead for the Olympics, and now my new role as managing director. So I've had a lot of different experiences. So I feel quite fortunate to have them all in one employer, but also to have so many different roles. What ways have you seen the school, the athletics department evolve over that time? Yeah, it's been a remarkable uh, transformation from I think what I would describe when I was initially starting the department as a bit of a boutique department uh, to something to a department that's got significant reach and impact. Uh, one of the drivers for that uh, is definitely our uh, the facilities that we have. I think you know uh, if you look at the last ten years, the building out of Thunderbird Park, uh, the construction of the Doug Mitchell Thunderbird Sports Center, and the construction of the UBC Aquatic Center, the baseball facilities, the rugby facilities all the field upgrades um, uh, and the development of the arc as well. Uh, the transformation uh, on campus from an infrastructure side of it has been significant. And that's really been the key driver to enable program expansion, both within campus as well as within our community and really to have that expanded reach. And now the numbers that we reach on a weekly basis in a normal year, they're staggering numbers in terms of the people that are utilizing programs and facilities. Uh, and that, in addition to sort of our varsity sports program, has moved from being uh, relevant within, I think, a more regional environment to being really relevant on a national and international environment. The amount of Olympians we send uh, is a quite a significant number. The impact that our athletes have uh, beyond sort of the national championship youth sports realm is quite the significant. So I think that's been one of the big trans uh, transformations as well. It must, it must be pretty interesting to be there, working there, seeing it all firsthand, like over this long transformation. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's nice to look back and reflect uh, on where we've been uh, from either scale and scope to 
facilities to budget to uh, competitive success. Because uh, day, day to day, you don't really notice it as much. Uh, but when you look back and say, oh, this is I was, just the other day, I was looking at a, uh, a 2012 uh, external review and looking at it being like, wow, what a, what a remarkable change from even 2012. <laughs> and before that, I was looking at a, a business plan from 2004. And even from there, you're like, oh, this changes a bit. <laughs> really, it's not even the same. Uh, it's not even the same department in any way, shape or form, the, the level and scope of transformation. Now, obviously, there were a lot of steps in between being hired by the department initially and taking the position of managing director. But at what point did you feel that position became both something that you wanted and also felt that you could realistically achieve? Yeah, I think uh, from an interest side of it, I, uh, I, I've always been interested and passionate about DBC. It's definitely with the deep family roots is something you, uh, that I've got a really close connection to. Uh, that being said, you know, I was very active uh, through points in my career uh, with uh, being sought after in headhunter type searches. So I uh, had engaged in those processes and was in a similar process uh, when I was uh, going through the UBC process. But uh, when, uh, you know, when it came time to make a decision, it was real evident for me that my heart was with UBC. Uh, and uh, that's what uh, that's what led me. Uh, to, to sort of uh, choosing the position here and, uh, and staying on for an extended period of time. And it was officially announced that you would be the new managing director on March 11th of this past year. That was when the press release came out, which is really an unfortunate time to have this big transition because the very next day is when the U Sports Hockey National Championships were canceled. And then there was the whole cascade of different cancellations. You were originally only to begin your new duties at the start of April but you jumped into things early because of the pandemic. Can you talk me through what it was like those first few days or weeks? Yeah, it was a roller coaster of emotions uh, in that window one to be able to publicly share with colleagues and, uh, and friends and uh, folks both on and off campus about it. And then to immediately jump into um, crisis management uh, as during that time, that's when uh, COVID was uh, having a far larger impact. Uh, in our society as a whole, but also in sport. Uh, very prevalent with a few days after was the cancellation of the Indian Wells tennis tournament, which I think was a signal to many of us on campus and in sport to say, okay, we need um, some pretty significant measures and pretty quick. Uh, so it was really like day one uh, crisis mode operations uh, right away as we need to make uh, some quick decisions uh, in all facets of our department, whether it's from our varsity teams and our high performance athletes, whether it be to our coaches and working uh, working environment, whether it's to the operations of our facilities, our student based programs, everything was uh, needed to be transfer transformed in a very short period of time. Did you feel that you were adequately prepared? You were like ready to take over that this big crisis management immediately? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't think many people would would say they would be because uh, I, I've heard often people talk about there's no pandemic playbook, uh, uh, and which is true in many fields. But I think uh, especially in sport, like I don't, uh, I can't think of any uh, recent sport disruptions that have taken place at any uh, form over the better part of the last three decades uh, in any significant way. So. 
I don't think anyone was really prepared uh, for that. Of course, you prepare for uh, your risk management protocols that are come in place in case of a natural disaster or uh, those type of uh, uh, circumstances, but nothing that would prepare you for this. So it was a day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute learning experience and was lucky to have really good colleagues. And I think the one thing that transformed is that um, what would normally be competitors in sport, let's say their rival schools uh, or different scenarios, there's a real coming together. Everyone had this feeling like we're in this together and we want to solve this solution versus sort of at times you're competing. So you're trying to keep some cards closer to your chest, but it had almost immediately transformed to say, let's figure this out together. If there's a way uh, we can work together, that will help the sport industry as a whole. I mean, it, I, I can only imagine how hectic it must have been, even just within UBC specifically, because you have all these different teams and staff and people using the facilities and everyone is wondering like what's going on what can they do what are they allowed to do it's like what kind of like how are you or how are you able to coordinate uh, all of that response yeah I, I think we uh we, what we quickly did is we set up some structures so we set up uh at one point like a daily call with a, a good chunk of related staff specifically around uh, COVID response. Uh, and in those sessions, we uh, empowered lead roles to bring information back to the group to have that be where all the information is shared and then decisions over to me. But ideally, uh, it takes a very, really collaborative approach in terms of my leadership style, but allow some anchoring of some structure and able to sort of say, okay, uh, we think we need to sort of close down our operations and our venues. Let's find out between today and tomorrow. Uh, what other universities are doing, what other municipalities are doing, if there's any university standards, we kind of set out the work and arrive at quick decisions. In a lot of ways, uh, we were ahead of most all decisions, whether it relates to closures or reopenings. Like I think we had the first indoor pool that opened in uh, BC. Uh, we're also probably, I think, the first university to uh, close some of our programs and operations at the end, closely followed by many other schools. But so I think that uh, that team-focused approach and allowing some structure allowed us to be just a little bit ahead of the uh, ahead of the curve. The curve maybe not be the right term. Uh, ahead of the trends related to COVID. I mean, it's a it's a big deal to be stepping into this big new position and then almost immediately having to cancel basically all varsity athletics. So what was that decision like for you, and how did you attempt to? Maybe not, maybe manage the fallout is not the right phrase, but how, how did you deal with everyone being maybe confused or upset about uh, that decision? Yeah, it was, uh, it was awful. Uh, <laughs> uh, most of the coaches, colleagues, and student-athletes were all incredibly understanding and supportive because uh, I think everyone was had a mixed feelings of uh, nervousness, confusion, fear. Uh, while not everyone had agreed with our uh, decision, I think everyone had agreed to say that our principles were the right ones. And the principles were, you know, definitely that priority one is to keep people safe. Priority two is to um, really uh, uh, find the, uh, and emphasize the value of sport uh, from a health and well-being lens. So if there's ways we can deliver it in different ways, we would continue to do so. Uh, and principle three was always being evidence-based. So we try to be principle-based versus decision because everyone's going to have a different interpretation of a decision. So, but mostly it was really difficult because uh, it's antithetical for us in sport to cancel sport because uh, 
we're such believers in what sport can do from a high performance, from a health and well-being, uh, from a straight recreation, from an improvement of one's life experience, uh, that uh, to be able to close things down is the complete opposite of what our values and belief systems are. So that was a real struggle, but utilizing principles helped make it a bit easier to arrive at decisions. And what was the summer like for you? How did you go about preparing for the 2020-21 school year with all the uncertainty that the pandemic brought? Yeah, I, I think we, uh, we quickly started to create multiple plans for how we were gonna operate and, uh, and often had to shift those plans on a weekly basis as provincial health orders had shifted. So, um, but mostly utilizing those principles, we always tried to find a, a way that we could uh, offer something. So how can we find a way to deliver sport, uh, albeit in a different lens? So, uh, you know, our team started training early on, even though it was often non-contact training, sometimes it was individual skills uh, and drills that or spacing was required. And then that led to some level of exhibition games. Uh, and we even got to the point of where uh, I had chaired a group of um, uh, a, a meeting with BC athletic directors from other universities to explore what a potential pilot project uh, would look like in terms of resuming sport in a condensed way, recognizing that the full Canada West season could not be delivered in the way, in any way, shape or form. So I think very much taking the lens of what we could operate. And that's kind of why, you know, we still have operations taking place at our hockey rinks and our aquatic center and our fitness centers where um, many other uh, venues have been closed or are closed. Did you always feel like varsity athletics were likely going to be canceled for at least the fall semester? Yeah, the fall semester was very evident. Uh, I think most of us were hopeful that uh, there would be a winter session in place. But I think the nature of where things were trending from the COVID lens side of it made the decision very obvious. So the, each school gets a vote on obviously in the candidate out of the 16 Canada West schools to make the decisions, but uh, they're all unanimous, even with heavy heart, because I think they were so evident to say, well, if we can't keep our student athletes safe, how can we in good conscience travel between provinces that being a big barrier uh, to the nature of how the schedule is set up? Now, I can't imagine your tenure so far has gone exactly how you envisioned it going. Are there certain plans or goals that you had for the start of your tenure that you were forced to put to the side in 2020? Yeah, maybe not put to the side, but uh, to maybe shift in. So we identified uh, five primary goals, but as a collective team. So it was very much a ground up process. We hosted a number of virtual uh, retreats uh, with all staff uh, and the sort of senior leadership team, uh, including myself, developed our five goals and they were, um, I'll, I'll identify them briefly. Um, feel free to ask follow-up questions. One is <clears throat> to increase our, uh, our linkages and connections with the academic side of the house. Um, so this could be from uh, student athlete academic performance to could be stronger ties with our faculties uh, or potentially research as well. Uh, number two was around enhancing our an intentional focus around equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, so uh, that was very much around what groups are not participating in health and well-being programs and how can we bring them into the tent or shift our, our programming? How can we, from a gender equity lens, how can we, from a racial equity lens, uh, show leadership and growth in this space? Uh, the third one was expansion of our Thunderbirds brand. So we really wanted to sort of not have this rest only as an athletics and rec friend, but all students feel like they're Thunderbirds 
as being part of the UBC community <clears throat> and four being financial model and five being capital projects. So uh, they're all moving forward in different ways than perhaps we initially had planned in this, but they're all still identified and still uh, making progress. And uh, what is it like working as the athletics director at a time when there are plenty of restrictions on those types of activities? Like what have your regular duties entailed over the last few months? Yeah, I mean, uh, a number of things. One uh, is a lot of working with provincial health orders uh, and adjusting and shifting what we can offer and, uh, and host. So that was one big bucket. Uh, number two is definitely the financial environment, obviously the significant financial disruption. So uh, how do we contend with that? How do we plan for that? How do we mitigate uh, for that? Uh, the third one is the staff culture side of it. So how do you keep staff engaged and connected in such a vital part of a productive work environment, especially when the majority of staff are working remotely, even though we have lots of folks working on campus because we have teams that are training and facilities that are being operated, still lots of people are away. So that staff culture piece was part of it. And the last one is really the strategic priorities that I mentioned is that how do we continually to move forward uh, with some of those strategic priorities versus uh, being on pause. Um, so that's certainly been a key focal point for us is that we wanna move forward in this environment, not hold uh, because this is still an indefinite period of time that will be dealing with COVID. Hopefully we'll have a bit of a sense of when the light at the end of the tunnel becomes brighter, uh, but we still don't know when that is. And how do you coordinate the operation of all the, the different teams, the members, the individuals who interact with UBC athletics that fall under the administration's umbrella, especially since there's all the necessary health protocols and guidelines to navigate on top of what would normally uh, be the case? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think um, uh, our primary approach has been to establish a really sound leadership structure. So uh, have a sound leadership structure on the varsity portfolio, sound structure on the recreation, on the facilities, on the development and admin side of things as well. And then uh, all those unit leads come together with me uh, to ensure we got really good collaboration. And then we've got clarity in our decision-making. I think that has been one thing that's been super important in COVID that uh, we want our folks and student athletes to have clarity in our decisions and our timing and approaches because I think that's the one thing we can rely on. Uh, <laughs> there's not many other things we can rely on, but uh, you know, when decisions get made and the clarity in those delivery of those decisions is really crucial. And looking at the near future, how much of a return to quote unquote normal do you anticipate from a school athletics perspective over the coming uh, months? Yeah, it, it's a good question. I, um, I also sit on our UBC Board of Governors as well as a staff rep. Uh, so uh, the question is uh, closely intertwined with uh, when will you know, school sessions and in-person classes uh, return to normal. So uh, those pieces are, are closely connected. Um, and so that's being reviewed and considered and discussed. And I think very much while we're figuring that larger question out, I think we're trying to find a way that we can have sport in a meaningful way. So in its current form for the next month, it will be socially distanced team training. Uh, and we're hoping in March we can host uh, at least one indoor or one outdoor tournament, uh, whether it be at UBC Vancouver or, or another school, to give us a bit of a proof of concept with a logic to say, if we want sport in September 2021, we need to pilot and test and learn from it. We don't have the budgets of the big... Uh, 
NBA pro sport bubbles or even the NCAA bubble. So if we had a model where we said, okay, September, we're still dealing with COVID, but we hosted a six-team tournament in March at UBC Vancouver. This is what we did from a, a protocol, from a hotel, from a travel, from a competition, from uh, a uh, testing and screening side of it, and it worked. Then at least we got a proof of concept to say, we're not in a position where we need to cancel it. We're in a position where we need to shift it to say, okay, it might not be exactly as it was two years ago, but we're going to do this instead. I was going to ask whether uh, you had uh, plans in place for sort of expanded exhibition type uh, tournaments or matches because there was some exhibition action in the fall semester before that ended up getting pulled back a bit. So do you think that's something that's going to be happening more over the next couple months? Yeah, I think so. Post-February, I think we're calling it the BCU Rivalry Series. Um, which is what we had started early on, just in a couple sports, mainly uh, golf, and there was a couple exhibitions. So we hope to expand that concept uh, to have some level of modified league play. And then those tournaments I spoke about, um, trying to test at least at least one indoor sport and at least one outdoor sport, uh, and then perhaps others would follow. But if, the, if we're using learning and education as the driver for the decision, we want to test different environments recognizing that probably outdoor sport is easier to start off with. And so that's why even targeting a bit of a March window would be really effective. So I imagine you're coordinating quite closely with the administrations from the other BC schools. Yeah, well, we've established a regular uh, group of uh, BC schools. So, uh, and that uh, within itself has been uh, a really good avenue. It's not a group that we regularly uh, liaison connect with, even though the individual relationships are strong. So uh, those are one of those silver linings is that, yeah, we, we realize that as a province, we should work more closely together to either be an advocate for sport or to help uh, from a coordination lens. Obviously, you can't say for sure what the beginning of next school year is going to look like, but do you have an ideal realistic scenario for what September could hold for UBC Athletics? Yeah, I mean, my my uh, my best guess at this point is September uh, will be limited, October modified, and January full. Uh, so what does that mean? I think September limited to say uh, often students are traveling in, so I think there'll be a bit of a September uh, pause per se while we get teams uh, and athletes arriving, training, figuring out the right screening, and I think October as well there'll be competitive play. Uh, across Canada West schools, probably without any significant sort of spectators, some some level of limited numbers. And then I think by January, we'll be um, uh, hopefully back to full uh, scale, normal spectators, events, travel, uh, what we we'll consider what we did previously uh, will hopefully be in place. And looking past the pandemic and further into the future, do you have any specific long-term plans that you're looking to implement over the coming years? Like how far ahead are you uh, thinking right now? Yeah, we're, we're trying to, with some of those strategic goals I mentioned earlier, Jake, we're uh, targeting a two-year window. <clears throat> um, so um, while our vision and values is really intended to be long-term, we wanted to have some near-term planning, recognizing there's so much uncertainty and change. So uh, we've got really our plans for the remainder of this year and all of next year. And then at which point we may revisit where we're going to allocate our time and priorities. 
Well, that's all I have for you today. Is there anything you'd like to add before I uh, let you go? No, that's great. Thanks for your time, Jake. Good chatting with you. All right. Once again, this is Jake McGrail of CITR Sports, joined by Kavi Tour, UBC's Managing Director of Athletics and Recreation. Thank you for coming on the show and good luck this semester. Thanks for having me, Jake. Take care. We will now have a quick break for ads and PSAs before we get to the news roundup and the Thunderbirds alum of the week. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, visit their website at www.riotheatre.ca. Do you like laughing, hilarity, radical thought-provoking creativity, and laughing? UBC Improv is UBC's home for improvisational comedy, theater made up on the spot. Like us on Facebook to learn when our next shows are. Search for us on YouTube for our film sketches. And follow us on Twitter because we want the followers. UBC Improv. Insert cheesy slogan here. Let's get it on Sugar Let's get it on Welcome back. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Now here's Corey Branson with the News Roundup, followed by Alan Wang with the Thunderbirds Alum of the Week. Hi all, Corey Branson here with the first Thunderbirds News Roundup of 2021. I hope you had a restful break. Our athletes got some time off as well but there were still plenty of headlines in the Thunderbird world over the past month. Most notably, a number of Thunderbirds, past and present, were awarded various honors and appointments since our last show. Sharon Windsor, a volleyball player at UBC from 2000 to 2002, was named the new head coach of Canada's women's volleyball team. She would be the first Canadian in 15 years and the first woman in 40 years to take up that position. Stephanie Gardner, who works with the women's field hockey team, was selected to join the Coaching Association of Canada's University Female Coach Mentorship Program. A mouthful, but a fantastic opportunity for her to hone her craft. Each UBC women's basketball team from 1969 to 1975 was collectively honored in the Canada West Hall of Fame, recognizing their dominant stretch of play that earned them, among other accolades, the first women's national title in 1971. For his achievements as a student and as an athlete, T-Bird swimmer Marcus Tormeyer was named a U-Sports Top 8 Academic All-Canadian. And finally, two alumni were awarded the Order of Canada, David Wilkinson, a varsity rower, was honored for his contributions in electrochemical science and engineering, while Tim Frick, a former member of the volleyball program, earned the distinction by virtue of his coaching and support of parasports in Canada. Some competition took place as well these past few weeks, though not between multiple schools. On November 28th and 29th, our swim team members competed against one another in the Audlem Brown Limited Race Swim Series. The event might not have carried the same weight as true Canada West action, but even pitting blue against gold brought out some competitive spirit among our athletes. 
Keeping to the pool, Canada West did unfortunately announce the cancellation of its swimming championships, as well as its track and field finals that were set to take place this spring. Sadly, the end of the year saw the loss of a Thunderbirds legend. Bob Laco, a standout athlete and coach with the UBC football and wrestling teams, passed away on December 28th at the age of 73. In football, he played for one year with the Thunderbirds before serving as defensive coordinator for the Vanier Cup winning squads in 1982 and 86. As a part of the wrestling community, he was the U Sports and Canadian National Champion in 1969 before coaching the UBC team to four Western Canadian Championships in the 70s. He was UBC Sports Hall of Fame inductee in 2019. Looking to the future, the UBC softball team will finally be playing on a dedicated home field next season, and it was announced this December that the arena will be named Collings Field. Gord Collings, who has coached the softball team since 2013, is the namesake for the new ballpark, owing to his immense dedication to the program. Congratulations, Gord. Thanks, Corey. For those tuning in for the first time, this segment, which we call Alum of the Week, looks at a former UBC athlete's life not only in the world of sports, but what their life is like outside of athletics as well. With no time frame in mind, there will be stories from all throughout the history of UBC athletics. The alum of this week is a graduate from North Vancouver's Delbrook High School. Sandra Hartley Cousins was a natural gymnast. After being admitted into UBC, she became one of two women from the UBC gymnastics team to represent Canada at the World Championships in West Germany, where she did exceptionally well finishing first among all the Canadian women. In that same meet, Canada finished at a solid 15th place in a field of 35 countries, and that, however, was just the beginning of Hartley's international career, as in addition to the World Championships in Germany, she competed in the World Summer Universiade in Japan in 1966, the Pan American Games in Winnipeg in 1967, the Summer Olympics in Mexico City in 1968, the World Student Games in Portugal in 1969, the Pre-World Championships in Yugoslavia in 1970, and at the World Summer Universiade in Italy in 1970. To this day, Hartley is the only woman from UBC to ever compete in the Olympics for the sport of gymnastics. In her third year from 1968 to 1969, Hartley held the titles of BC Provincial Gymnastics Champion and Pacific Northwest Champion and at the Western Canada Intercollegiate Championships, she led the Thunderbirds to the championship title through her domination in all four events of the uneven bars, vaulting, balance beam, and free exercise. From her time at UBC, Hartley helped the Thunderbirds win not one, not two, but four consecutive Western Canadian University Team Championships for the women's gymnastics team. In February of 1970, after leading the team to their fourth win, she was awarded the Western Canadian Individual All-Around Trophy for the third time of her career and won a berth on the Canadian team that competed at the World Student Games later that year. Just a month later, Hartley was awarded the first ever Sparling Trophy, now known as the Maryland Pomfret Trophy, as UBC's Outstanding Female Athlete of the Year. After earning undergraduate and master's degrees in physical education, Hartley spent 15 years as the women's head gymnastics coach at the University of Alberta from 1971 to 1986, where she later obtained her doctorate in education and pursued teaching as a professor at U of A before her retirement in 2006. 
This week's alum of the week was Sandra Hartley Cousins, a talented woman who ultimately helped shape UBC gymnastics into what we have today. And with that, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. Thank you again to Kathy Tour for coming on the show. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jake McGrail, Corey Branson, and Alan Wang. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great rest of your day.